Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. And you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good this fall. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. Today, we bring you three stories from the Welcome Project's archive, and they're titled, It's Not You, It's Your Gender, I See Myself as a Bridge, and I Told Them How I Felt. And so you might be able to tell from the titles that um, the storytellers today are exploring gender sort of internally and externally, but... Allison, I'm I'm wondering what made you choose uh, these stories for this week. Well, it is October, oh. and this is our last opportunity to have a show dedicated to that because um, two weeks ago we were away, and so we did a uh, we pulled a, a listen up from the archives, and we haven't been live with our listeners during October. So I wanted to make sure we had a chance to celebrate the queer community and to remember the importance of supporting LGBTQ folk in coming out, especially LGBTQ youth who um, there's a lot of roadblocks often to being able to come out yet. At the university, we just had writer Taylor Brorby, who was reading from his memoir, Boys in Oil, which was about growing up gay in North Dakota and um, has a lens of like um, environmental activism to it because North Dakota, there's a lot of fracking and stuff going on. But then his personal narrative through that had to do with uh, growing up gay and it being an incredibly difficult place for that to happen. And then I don't want to do too many spoiler alerts, but like coming out to his family was a very difficult process, mixed blessing, mixed bag. And when he was here giving his reading, he um, reminded us or, or reported to us that the Trevor Project um, just put out a 2022 survey on LGBTQ youth mental health. And they have found that 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. And the numbers for those who consider suicide go down if they have family support, if they have school support. So it feels, you know, especially in this political moment where there's a lot of legislation that's being proposed at state and local levels that are undermining the ability of trans people and LGBTQ people to be seen and respected as full human beings that, you know, we bring this forward in a show at, here at Listen Up, so. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we're, we're playing these stories. All right, so should we queue up our first story for today titled, yeah. It's Not You, It's Your Gender? I guess I'll, I'll start at the point where I um, actually first came out to myself, which was probably the biggest step in this process since everything else kind of followed after that. Throughout my, uh, throughout my adolescence, there were... 
there was a lot of hiding and lie telling. You know, after I admitted to myself, well, I may not be as straight as I thought I was, then everything else kind of followed fairly quickly. I mean, given the relative amount of time between those two discoveries, but um, in general, I didn't, I didn't want to date boys. I was not interested in boys. I got asked out by a boy at the beginning of the year, and I said yes because, well, because I felt like maybe I should just, you know, I should do something different, and may, this would maybe be the key to me getting over her. And, um, well, it wasn't, but it did help me realize something else, which was that I, uh, no, I really didn't want to date boys, and I mean, that's another thing, that another pretty big regret that I have in terms of my uh, past relationships is that, you know, I, uh, well, I couldn't be for him what he wanted me to be, and uh, it was it was a rough breakup. I mean, no one wants to hear that from the person that they've been dating that um, I, you know, it's not you, it's, it's your gender. I broke up with him though, and then after that, came out to pretty much everybody. I had a friend who uh, last year, I guess, had expressed that, I think the sentence was like, I don't know if I could be friends with them because I'd feel like they were, you know, hitting on me the entire time or, you know, checking me out the entire time. And um, I was I was really hesitant to tell her, but it sort of just slipped out actually the day after I had come out to my roommate. And um, she was, she was a total sweetheart about it. I mean, she looked me dead in the eye and with like, the sweetest, most sincere voice said, you know what, if anybody tells you that this is wrong and that you, you know, like, that you loving someone who is a girl is wrong, then, like, don't let them say that to you because they're wrong. And she was, like, very, very impassioned, or, you know, impassionated about it. But people can really surprise you. And um, they may say things sort of in a theoretical sense that don't necessarily apply to how they actually feel about you as a person, and I think that in many cases that's true that, you know, you are much more important to other people than your sexuality. And at this point, I'm, I'm out, I'm happy, and I'm actually dating a lovely girl right now who, um, I guess we can call Kay for uh, purpose of this interview, and uh, she and I have been dating for, I think, three or four months at this point, and I... Uh, we're very happy, and I'm happier now than I have been in quite a few years. Welcome back. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, with me, Allison Schutte, and co-hosts Willow Walsh and Reagan Skaggs. And this week, we are celebrating stories from our campus archive of um, sexuality, gender orientation, in honor of Outtober, the month where the LGBTQ community remembers and celebrates the importance of communities, families, societies that support queer folk in their identities. I'm wondering for the two of you with this very first, like where the story starts, I'll start at the point where I actually first came out to myself, which was probably the biggest step in this process. And I just wonder how does that land with you or what do you think that might mean, um, especially thinking about listeners who've maybe not had to, to consider this mm-hmm. before. Like, how do I come out to myself as a heterosexual? Like, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. tend to have to do that <laughs> in our society. I mean, I mean, for me, it resonates a lot because this is like essentially what I went through too. I think like 
there's like so many sort of like inklings and before you can sort of like make that step like that she did to sort of like start telling her roommate and friends and other folks like you have to sort of be honest with yourself before you can start to sort of move forward in the way that eventually made her happy so it's like I don't know for me it's like there were like inklings it was like I was like obsessed with Barbara Streisand and like still is yeah and then like Kira Sedgwick and Mary McDonald like just like a weird group of people but it was just like I don't know but in my mind it was always like oh it's like a choice like I can either choose to be with a woman forever or a man forever and like I don't know it was just like and that's sort of what I went through before I was able to sort of actually come out to myself and be like wait a minute actually that's not a choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not always the most emotionally intelligent person. So <laughs> my, mine felt very sudden in my, my coming out to myself. Um, I was an extremely over-enthusiastic ally beforehand. Um, and like, I, I read a lot now, but I read way more in high school, um, which is when this process was happening for me. And I just remember, like, my, I have Promorsal Indiana there at the time. I think it's a little better now. I think there were, like, literally three or four books about, like, gay history in my library. And I read them over and over yeah. and over again and was, like, fascinated and was, like, digging up documentaries, like, just obsessive. And I didn't understand why I was so obsessive. And the story that I tell everybody is that one day I came into school and uh, I was in a hallway with some friends and some random girl was like, hey, can I have a hug? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I gave her a hug and I was like, oh, I'm gay. <laughs> can, I, I wonder if you can say a little bit more about that just because for me it's resonating with this um, friend that our storyteller has who suddenly worried about like, oh, my friend came out to me and now I'm worried that they're always going to be hitting on me. And so I feel like some people might hear what you're saying as like, oh, yeah, now when Reagan hugs any female no. or a woman identified, female identified person, you know, she's going to feel that special tingly feeling. No, and I didn't even feel it then. It, okay, was, okay. it was the contrast because I had a boyfriend at the time. Whoopsie daisy. Um, and it was the contrast of like, this is just nice. This doesn't feel like like for me at the time dating a man. Uh, this doesn't feel like obligation. Hmm. This doesn't make me feel uncomfortable or like weirdly bad inside. Like this is just nice. And I was like, and I did not have a crush on that girl. I don't even remember her name. Um, she was perfectly nice. She was a acquaintance in high school. But yeah, no, no, that is not how that works. It was so just like it, it was, was the contrast, contrast more than yeah. anything of like it should maybe feel more in line, like the comfort line of what it is like to yeah. have your boyfriend, which I did not experience. So that's really what it yeah. was, I okay, think, was the, the contrast. It's helpful. no, that is not how that works. I've also had friends do that to me. They're like, well, you're gay, so you just have... No, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah, actually, in fact, I think it's more so the opposite. Like, when straight women learn you're a lesbian, they're like, all over you. Yeah, they think so like, ooh, you must be attracted to everybody. It's like, girl. No, and it's so uncomfortable. It's like, um, there's... I have... Also, there's a lot of queer people at work, and we, uh, some of us amongst us, joke. Like, oh, like, even amongst our friends who are, like, bisexual or straight at work, like, some of us that are, like, just gay, 
joke like yeah they'll make a really fun flirty joke and i just feel like i need to uh be sure that like i'm standing an appropriate distance away just because i'm so uncomfortable that they're gonna think that Mm. i'm doing something predatory even though they're Mm. a very good friends and they've never done anything to indicate that it's just like prior experience yeah yeah unfortunately has dictated that like some people will not respect your boundaries well there's this cultural I don't know if it's a prejudice or an assumption that somehow links homosexuality as a sexual attraction. So like suddenly if you're gay, you're always attracted to everybody who, you know, like if you're a gay male, then you must be attracted to all men. Or if you're a lesbian, you must be attracted to all women. Like there's this conflation of being gay with being attracted to everybody, like being hypersexual, basically, mm-hmm. which is just wrong. Like, there's nothing different about the physiology of queer folk that suddenly attraction is overstimulated. We're attracted to people in the same way and in not, you know, and not attracted to people in the same way yeah. as any straight person. So it's, yeah, it's very frustrating in that sense that those kind of um, perceptions abound and then they can lead to dangerous situations for queer folk, especially if, you know, like you might be a queer teacher or a queer coach and suddenly like you have to be more on guard than um, maybe a, a, a straight coach or a straight teacher would have to be. Although I think even, I think sexuality is so like, um, I don't, I don't know, like, um, monitored now and and for appropriate reasons like we do have to be careful about people in authority misusing their power in ways sexual ways but it's not um it's not conflated with the identity of a person's sexuality like if you're if you're abusing your power for sexual favors from somebody that's a personality I don't know if it's, it's not, I don't think it's a trait, but it's a flaw that you have yeah. to engage. It doesn't have to do with whether you're straight or, or gay. It's a separate entity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't get separated in our society. Yeah. What was your self coming out process like? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to get too far away from our storyteller. I feel like my own coming out process to, is like been more of a process. So I, I think the story I'd have to tell would get long and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I feel like we don't need to do that today. I don't know. Maybe we can if we need to, but I just, I feel like it's important to notice that if we're out of line with the norm, then there is this actual process that has to happen. Like you have to become mm-hmm. self-aware. And, you know, we've talked on this show before about, not necessarily feeling like we had models growing up of queer people. And and I should say, I think it's, I think it could be helpful for our listeners. Like I'm older than you all. So if we're thinking about adolescence, right? Like I was in high school, 84 to 89. And when were you all in high school? 2011 to 2015. Yeah. 2012 to 2016. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like a, there's a generation difference between us, but we often are still telling very similar stories, which seems yeah. so strange to me. I'm not sure when this person was interviewed, but the story was posted in 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, so like this idea of becoming self-aware, uh, it indicates to me that our culture is still quite homophobic and not necessarily portraying as many models such mm-hmm. that at the same time that straight 
youth are coming of age and queer youth are coming of age, they're both like having to like, they're having a similar process. It feels like for queer folk, there's still this delay. And maybe it's a resistance to like, if I am gay, this is going to be harder for me, you know, with my family, with my friends, with society. So yeah, <laughs> it just seems like important to name that mm-hmm. complicating this whole coming of age process is this huge layer of doubt and insecurity that gets placed over it. But what else stood out to you from the storyteller? I mean, I think it is sort of important to again note that like the her the reaction that one of her friends had about like her coming out and being gay and being like, "Oh, I don't want to be near you" because it's just like I th- I think today like especially as you, you know, like whatever what's his face Oz in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. saying like oh women's like body those choices should be between her her doctor and local political officials yeah that was a very (laughs) very weird line just like I don't know just like the uh, so I don't know because it's like I had that experience in high school and like that prevented me from coming out because it's like I was in show choir and that's like the straightest place you can be surprisingly except for the men I guess I don't know. It's just like, I remember like being in a room and like one of the girls was like, oh, well, like, oh, I'm wearing a skirt and I'm on the desk, but that's okay. Like none of us are lezzies. So that's fine. Oh, geez. (laughs) All right. I'm back in the closet. I go. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is important to sort of say that too. You know, it's just like, like on, like, you know, for like, I guess me and Reagan, it was like, you know, we came out as teenagers. And so you're like layering puberty and all this other crap and drama on top of like also figuring out that you're gay and so, like, small things like that, like, that are just, like, like small little tiny homophobic things that happen, it's just, like, that can just keep pushing you back into the closet mm, and then make mm-hmm. everything really hard over and over again. Which yeah. is a reminder that people, in fact, come out more than once, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, all the time. So, <laughs> you can hear the size. <laughs> um, this is WVLPLP 103.1 FM. And this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, with me, Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. It's the end of October, so we are celebrating that with some stories from our campus archive of um, storytellers who are reflecting on their sexuality and on coming out to friends um, and how, how they are received in that process. Before we go to the, the friend, which I couldn't tell, is the, the, the friend and the roommate the same person? So that when the storyteller comes out to her roommate, the storyteller said she was a total sweetheart. And then she quotes her roommate saying, if anybody tells you that this is wrong, that loving a girl is wrong, don't let them say that because they're wrong. Is that the same person as the friend who was like, ah, now I don't know if I can be friends with this person because maybe they're going to be hitting on me. That's what I took it as. Oh, really? I mean, it sounds like it sort of, but then it's kind of, it's a surprising... If it's true, I guess yeah. we could talk about it both ways. Because if it's true, then it's it gives me some hope, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And we could try to think about like what might have changed for the roommate such that when the storyteller comes out to her, she can be that supportive and celebrate, celebratory, even though prior she had been mm. wary. So let's make that assumption for now and just see, like, what do we think about how she might have made that journey or what's different? I mean, I wasn't, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, I feel like 
it would make so much sense for you to have like a core like hidden in the back of your brain sort of belief that like gay people are predators in some way or just like overly sexual and then um but then once like somebody that you know and love comes out to you then you're then you you know you can be more accepting because that sort of like shatters that idea because you're like wait the person that i know and love is not overly sexual and predatory therefore (laughs) it must be okay yeah i mean ideally that's at least partially what happens you know well i mean ideally we we have broken down those stereotypes before we get to this point but yeah yeah the other ideally uh, one of the many other ideallys is that like oh well i know and love janet i don't know and i know that janet would never intentionally harm me i know that janet is not the kind of person to be a predator um i know that janet would like not put me in that situation etc 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 like ideally that would be how it goes. Or if it does turn out that like, oh, I'm coming out and I do have a crush on you. Like mm. you're still not a predator. It doesn't make you a predator. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a friend whoopsie. It is a friend whoopsie. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, it is not a, a moment of predation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is something about, I'm assuming if, the, if they're roommates, you know, they've been living with each other and there's that day to day kind of encounter and you have emotional awareness of each other. Mm-hmm. So you can tr- you you sort of trust your sense of like oh that person has never in this case cause she's not attracted to her roommate like come on to me once at all yeah. so mm-hmm. i think that's what you were talking about willow it's just this kind of like oh i was you sort of realize these other assumptions you were making that sort of just fall away yeah. I mean, I roomed with, I lived on campus when I was at Valpo and I roomed with, um, other women, only one of whom was queer. Uh, but the other two women that I lived with were straight and I never had any problems. Like that was never like, even you were gay. Yeah. All of them, even my freshman year roommate who, um, I have funny stories about, <laughs> she's an interesting <laughs> lady. Um, she didn't care. Like it was fine. It was not a thing. Hmm. Like, I never had any problems in that regard, which was really nice. Yeah. But yeah, they all knew beforehand. So I mean, well, no, not my freshman year roommate, but like she was fine. It was mm-hmm. all fine. But yeah, that's not every, that definitely was not everybody's experience. But thankfully, like, yeah, you know, it, it did get to be an experience. So not all not all straight women are stinky. You know, <laughs> some of them are nice. <laughs> what do you make of the storyteller choosing to try going out with a boy again? it's a little bit hard to tell because this is an edited interview. So, and I know from editing some of our stories that, you know, I might take something from later in the interview. And so chronologically it looks in the story, like it happened first. So she says when she comes out to herself, um, that I didn't want to date boys. I was not interested in boys. And then, the next part of the story that we get, the edited story we get, is that when she gets asked out, she says yes because maybe I should just do something different. And she does add the caveat <laughs> that she's trying to get over somebody else, um, like a, a, a woman. So it's, a, it's an attempt to get over a, a, a heartbreak. I don't know. Do you have insight into that? trying it out as something different and maybe what was going on for her at the time or maybe know. it's just maybe it's, it's maybe we can't yeah i don't know it's interpret, so hard get under it's there. like every time I, I i see this situation just like socially like when like there's like a lesbian couple and then they break up and one of them starts dating a man like that is like the crappiest thing i can think of <laughs> like 
that just feels like such a slap in the face but say like, to who say to who so to like just I, oh yeah just that. to like the person so like okay so you're in like two women together and then woman a goes and then dates a guy and like that's really sucky to woman you know woman b because like you were i don't I know that's just okay. like, like you know you just feel less than or like not i don't know but trying going back and forth <laughs> after knowing you're gay that's really interesting i actually can't piece that one together are you uh, in the same boat reagan kind of i feel like i kind of get it so this is not the nicest thing to say um but i've heard this especially from my friends who are like bisexual or pan who like have even told me like oh i actually have a preference for women i just have only really dated men and it's like because it's like kind of easier like as a lesbian who is single and like in the dating scene like it i i get where that would be easier like it's Wait, much so because as a person we live so we live in valpo which is perfectly lovely um and like purple at least which is nice but it's still indiana <laughs> <laughs> it's still like you know a red area um it's much harder like to just look at somebody and know that you are safe to flirt with them Versus if you can operate on the assumption of heterosexuality, mm. you are you don't have to have that additional worry. Mm. You're going through, or not just heterosexual, also bisexuality, also, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you can operate on that assumption that, like, as you can play in the dominant field, right? Where you can experience much less discomfort. Also, if you are somebody who is used to dating, like, as a woman, or somebody who has, like, been interpreted as a woman up until this point, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you are used to dating men, it is a different cultural experience to start dating women. It is different. Like, there are different expectations. So, like, again, from a lot of my heterosexual friends, like, it's very, like, it's very, like, men need to take the lead in certain, like, fields. Like, men need to take the, or not necessarily, this is heterosexual relationships, just like queer ones don't exist under one blanket. But generally speaking, like, the dude's going to make the first move. He's going to do the first, like, kickstarts of the relationships. And then from there, like, like a woman will kick in more. Like, whereas wow. when you're queer dating, like, it needs to be a more mutual experience. It needs to be, like, hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, of course, there's different preferences. There's different um, things that go along with that, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, that, that makes sense to me. As It just makes sense to me that some if you this is what you're familiar with... And this is what you're used to. Yeah. And you're moving forward under that assumption. Like, it is a different cultural experience to enter the queer dating scene. So I, I do get it. I do get it. I feel. I mean, obviously. No, I know. It's so hard for me to wrap my brain. <laughs> I don't know, Allison. What do you think? Are you are you having a hard time? Or do you feel like... I don't know. I mean, I guess I've... I, now that I'm looking back at it again, I'm looking at how she connects it to the key to getting over her. So... It, it makes me wonder if, like, it's a distraction. <laughs> I'm going to distract yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a some kind of desire or longing, you know, like, to find out, like, oh, I could be bisexual or I could maybe even be straight mm-hmm. so that then, you know, things would go more smoothly in this world for me. But it it doesn't, maybe in some sense, it doesn't matter too much because she realizes pretty quickly like, oh, okay, no. In fact, I'm not just queer, I'm lesbian. Um, She doesn't use that word, but I guess I'm putting that label on her. 
But it seems like if the, although I don't know, I don't know the guy, but the fact that the breakup was rough, like he either was head over heels for her or maybe they'd been together for a while. Well, it can also just like Willow was saying, where the two, like the two women break up and one dates a man. That's, that can be an ego bruiser. Yeah, for hurts. the guy for or? the person who gets dumped yeah yeah, yeah. That, so that could have been like that was what happened with my high school like mm-hmm. boyfriend also that it was an ego bruiser i get it it sucks uh it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah there it's that's definitely a component that i have seen so this is wvlplp at 103.1 fm in valparaiso community supported radio also streaming live from wvlp.org We rely here at the station on donations from individuals, businesses, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. So please consider supporting the station and this show by visiting the website wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax deductible and we'd sure appreciate it. And this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, with me, Allison Schutte, Willa Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. And we've been talking about um, coming out stories, coming out to oneself, coming out to roommates, um, coming out to people we've dated who we no longer will be dating. <laughs> and we have some, show, uh, some stories for the second hour of our show um, from people who identify as bisexual that I'd like to get to. But I did just want to ask the two of you before we move on from this first story that it's not you it's your gender in some ways I'm I I think I'm asking like how does that we don't know if she actually like said that those direct lines right like she's reflecting on this in an interview and Mm -hmm. so it's probably a, a neat summation and when I hear it and think about it in that way it feels like it could be a really meaningful thing for somebody to hear that this isn't personal, right? Like it just is that I'm not attracted to men in this case. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if um, maybe it could it would it be actually heard that way? Could it actually be heard that way? Is a breakup just always going to be painful? And there's really no way to cushion. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna. I feel like it's, that's gonna be painful either way. I don't know. It's not you. It's your gender. That one's really hard for me. Like me, because I like. I feel like. I don't know. I feel like I describe myself as like sort of lesbian, pansexual. Even though Reagan's like, you're a lesbian. <laughs> you're making me sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, I just because uh, that's the part that I can't really get behind. Just a little. Like, I, t- I kind of understand it, but like. For me, it would make, like, I feel like relationships make more sense when it's just, like, about the person and, like, who they are and, like, who you are together. And so, like, the gender, so to all of a sudden be, Mm. like, it's a gender thing. Mm. I don't know. Because, like, Erica and I, like, my partner and I have talked about this. And I'm, like, so what if I was trans? Like, if I was a man, would you still feel the same about me? Mm. Would we still continue to be in a relationship? And she said, I don't think so because I'm just not attracted to men. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, that's, like bananas to me i'm like what do you mean we've been together for seven years you just don't love me anymore 
this is the this is, this is yeah. the heterosexual. Would you still love me if I was a worm conversation? I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Generational differences showing. Yeah, it's just the um, this this trend of particularly heterosexual women asking their boyfriend these very ridiculous questions, like, "Would you still love me if I just turned into a worm?" Like, and then, like, "What would you do if I turned into a worm? Yeah, would we would still you, date? Would, yeah. you, would you keep me in your house?" Like, which is like quite on that scale. I'm exaggerating, obviously. Like the um, that does happen. You know, people just turn just, into like, worms. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. For sure. Uh, 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 <laughs> you know, people discover later on that they're trans after they're already in relationships, after they already have children. And, you know. Yeah. yeah these yeah. things happen, and that is a difficult situation. We're not trying to like negate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm with Erica though. You know, but like I am a person like. I'm a lesbian. I'm attracted to like women and like some like non-binary trans people, but I've had no problems. Like I'm like, there are trans women I'm very attracted to. Like it really does seem to be like women for the most part are, are my bag. They're my jam. I yep. like women. Yep. <laughs> and like, I can't, I just like, you can't help it. Right. But like when I look at a man, it's just there. I am not interested yeah. Like, I I have a lot of... Listen, I have a lot of friends that are born. <laughs> <laughs> Both cis and trans. Like, I have wonderful friends that are men. And I have wonderful relationships in my life with men. Like, especially my family. Like, my brothers and I are so close. Like, I have a lot of love for the men that I love. Mm-hmm. But I cannot... I don't get it. Like, the, yeah. somebody, I feel so bad. My roommate is gay. He's a gay man. And he'll be like, that guy's hot. I'm like, is, is he? <laughs> is, that what, is that what a man looks like? Like, it just, it, do, it truly does not occur to me yeah. to be attracted. Like, and it, it's that same discomfort when that is kind of, like, put on me. Like, usually benignly. And I will say that, like, I don't inherently think there's anything wrong with somebody, like, and I've done this, too, to, like, with, like, people. You... Like, hey, you're really cute. Can I give you my phone number? And the answer is no. Like, sorry, I'm gay. Like, whatever. That's totally fine. Like, I'm not saying that those men are, like, awful for even looking at me. Like, no, that's totally fine. Like, I appreciate it. Y'all were sweet. Like, whatever. But it it is, like, a, a true sense of, like, when that gets pushed or, like, the boundary isn't immediately respected. Like, the feeling of bad Mm-hmm. the feeling of discomfort the feeling of this is not what i want is very overwhelming like so for me like i get that like you i i don't think i could be i'm not attracted to men yeah yeah so but then what i mean we are getting back to this it's not you it's your gender cuz i think maybe what erica might be intuiting is that if you're if if you identify as trans and so you transition, there's something about masculinity that you feel is more inherent to who you are. And that's a, I mean, I'm, it's like gender construction is so complicated, right? Like, and some of that desire might not be related to gender as it's constructed in terms of like the toxic masculinity of our society, there are ways to desire masculinity that don't have to be toxic. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking Erica's tuned into the fact that her attraction is to what she understands in terms of women and women's gender. And so it might be body, right. Physical attraction, but it could also be emotional attraction. That's, connected to 
gender construction, like, and what it means to be a woman and how you'll relate Mm -hmm. if you have less testosterone and more estrogen, like, and it is true. Like, um, I don't actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak entirely because I I don't know what it's like to transition and, and move to testosterone, but some stories that I've heard when you initially start testosterone, if you're transitioning female to male, like you do suddenly have a different, um, like your emotions change as the hormones in your body change. Like there's different messages that are being sent physiologically and that does impact a person. I don't want to say a personality necessarily, like you have to have a personality change. In fact, you might be becoming more of who you thought you always were, but hormones are real like there are chemicals that actually impact and create how we relate to people. So I, I think you are not being comfortable with, you know, the storyteller saying it's not you, it's your gender. Maybe you want something to be more independent <laughs> of gender and have it be more personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Willow is nodding to yep. those of you that cannot, <laughs> cannot see. Um, okay, well, maybe let's leave it there just so at least we can get one more story. And I don't know if we'll get both in. We'll do the second or second one I told. Uh, I see myself as a bridge. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the middle of two worlds, four worlds. And sometimes I feel like I'm not a part of any of them, which is difficult. Before I came out, I was at a party and I was talking to this girl. She's like, I understand gay people. Like, that's fine. Like, if you're a man and you want to date a man, like, that's fine. And I understand straight people because, like, you know, but, like, there's probably just something wrong with bi people, you know? Like, something has to be, like, messed up in their heads. And I was, like, in the closet at this point. Like, I knew that I was bi, and I was just, like, sort of standing by. And I was like, okay, yeah, no. Just, like, people just, they just make up these ideas in their head about, what being bi is and how other people feel about how those people must feel about it. And it's really screwed up because I think it's sort of a weird place to be in and a hard place to be in most of the time because people just don't quite get it. And I think largely people are starting to sort of accept gay people more and there's so stigma against bi people or surrounding bi people because people just don't quite get it. I don't know why. I feel like I have the opportunity to understand a lot of different perspectives. And I think that makes me a less ignorant individual. It makes me a more intelligent individual. It makes me a more open individual on all fronts. So I think being biracial, I am really able to embrace two cultures. And I think that's awesome. People who can't embrace more than one culture or don't want to or don't have the opportunity, I think they miss out. There's so much there. There's so much that is important in both of the cultures that I am really grateful that I can just like wholeheartedly embrace both of them. Most of the time I see myself as a bridge between and amongst people. When I was first coming out, I was talking to two of my friends who are gay and they said, you shouldn't come out because you feel like you have to teach people something. You should come out because you want to and you feel comfortable doing that and that's who you want to be and show people that you are that person. And I think that's really important. I, I think that I still feel a lot of pressure to show people or tell people about the different worlds that I sort of occupy so that they can learn. I want them to learn. 
This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. And on today's show, we've been playing stories from our campus archive related to um, members of the LGBTQ community coming out in some form or fashion. So we've just heard from a storyteller who's both biracial and bisexual, and she's reflecting on um, occupying these four worlds. Um, so I wonder, like, did any particular part of the story um, stand out to you all? Um, I could otherwise create a more direct question, like we could go after the title of the story and what it means to be a bridge. I mean, what stuck out to me kind of was, so she talks about um, because she is biracial, or partially at least because she's biracial and she is bisexual, she feels like she is able to accommodate and explain an experience uh, more culturally. Uh, And I don't want to say that's wrong, but I do want to say that there is this idea, especially in regards to lesbians, like I see a lot of, and have experienced a lot of push, like, are you sure you're gay? You're probably just bisexual, like that kind of thing. You're not more, and this is not what the speaker is saying. This is my own personal hang up that I want to just put in the world really quick. Your sexuality doesn't determine how open-minded you are. There is nothing about your sexuality that determines what, uh, how open-minded, how good of a person you are. This is like, this is how you are. You are fine the way you are, whether that be bisexual, straight, or gay. Um, you are not less open-minded for not being one of the many options. You are not less, um, and I see this in spiritual circles, usually with heterosexuality, mm-hmm. you are not spiritually troubled. Um, or intellectually troubled because you are not one of the three options. Not really, but one of the options. Whatever you are is fine. Which options would you... You're starting to lose me a little bit. So when you said the options at the end there... I'm specifically talking in regards to sexuality. I would say the same thing in regards to gender. You are not like lesser because you are trans or cis because you are a woman, a man, or a non-binary person. Um, Whatever you are, you are still capable of great thought and great spiritual feeling. Despite what other people are telling you, I just am seeing that a lot, and it's bugging me. So I just so I let me make sure I understand correctly because I think what you said is there could be an assumption that if you're lesbian or if you're gay, then you're less open-minded than somebody who's bi or pan. Yeah, if you were just if you were more open-minded or if you were um, better able to see people for who they are as opposed to like their gender, which you shouldn't do. I see. Then you would be bisexual. Yeah, you'd have more capacity to love more different kinds of people or something. Huh. Okay. Hmm. And I don't think that's a a very good mindset to walk in into. So I would like, I just want that there. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's interesting because I feel like by stories that we have on the website and, and and an essay that I just shared with my students, that's not about sexuality, but being bi-ethnic or bi-racial, that writer was talking about the struggle of not feeling like she belonged in either world. And so that's what I often hear around bisexuality too, like this presumption that you haven't made a choice yet. And you really do need to go one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to me because I've never heard it spun the other way. Like if you're a lesbian or if you're a gay male, then you must be somehow like close-minded. Um, so I don't know. That's interesting. I was thinking about um, the sort of parallels that she's drawing, like you were saying, Allison, like between like 
she's embracing both cultures. So like, like as being biracial, she's embracing both cultures, but then, you know, as bisexual, you're sort of embracing both sides of that too. And I wonder if that's part of what you were saying too, Reagan, like, like maybe there's like some ease to just being heterosexual. And so like, there's like, you know, there's sort of a culture that goes behind that. And then, you know, it's like, Point, you know, if you're going to hit on a woman, there's like different sort of like rules around that too. Like, so mm-hmm. she has to like sort of occupy and navigate both of those oh, spaces. Yeah, definitely. I am. I find myself uh, as somebody who says like, you know, will go between saying like, oh, I'm a lesbian, or oh, I'm like maybe pansexual or something like that. I don't know. I've never described myself as bisexual, and so I feel like I cannot speak to this. <laughs> as well as anything else because I feel like I don't understand it aside from like I don't know the like the crap that people give you just yeah like you know like oh why don't you do one or the other why don't you you know it's like I feel like I understand that but yeah sort of the I don't know you know what I mean like like what it like what it means to be a queer person and you know I feel like that for me it always feels like really exaggerated like at like a gay pride thing or like at a gay bar or something you know but like I and that because I am a flawed human being women who are bisexual who've only ever dated men and then marry a man I do harbor some unconscious judgment about that I don't know like I like wondering why they claim bisexuality if they've never actually I it's not that and it's like I I'm like totally behind claiming it because it's like that's who you are and that's how you feel it's like it's sort of like the idea for me is like it's and I wonder if this is where sort of the 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 sort of friction comes in because it's like what is your experience as a bisexual woman only ever being seen outwardly as a heterosexual couple with all of your romantic mm. partners. And you got, you have gotten to move around the world in a lot easier way. And of course you can claim the gay identity. And I, I don't know, I just... Hmm. It's like, it's, a, it's just because we're under the LGBTQ, you know, you know, the alphabet mafia doesn't <laughs> mean that we necessarily have sort of this, the same experiences. So it's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. So I think that's where sort of the judgment for me. It's not like a judgment thing. It's like, of course, be bisexual and be in relationship with men. I don't care. That doesn't, my opinion doesn't matter. Nobody else's opinion matters. But just like in terms of the experience and what, like what it's like to actually sort of be with your partner socially out in public or marry a same sex partner or have to navigate a relationship with somebody, you know, the same gender is, you know, it's like, cause I didn't have that growing up. My parents were both heterosexual. So it's just like, it's totally new having to navigate that with my partner and like in terms of what we do and what our roles are. But so it's just like, so I think that's where I always have pause. Cause it's like, the, that's where it's sort of that subconscious judgment comes in where it's like, I don't... And now I'm walking myself back to you. It's like, do you need to have my experience in order to be like a full queer person? Of course not. It's interesting, though, since this storyteller does um, talk also about being biracial, I feel like an analogy is somebody who can be... who's biracial and can be white passing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard conversations in DEI spaces, diversity, equity, inclusion spaces I've been in, where there's um, always this insistence on if you're white passing, you have to recognize your white privilege. 
And there is a sense in which you're not experiencing racism in the same way as Mm -hmm. like a sibling of yours who might not be able to be white passing. And I, I mean, I think there's something complicated there that's, you know, worth actually investigating, um, and naming, even if we can't like have some sort of resolution or a conclusion about like what it means. But, but yeah, somebody, I feel like a, a biracial person who's white passing, who also wants to claim their biracial identity could get that kind of pushback. Like you want to name and celebrate your full identity, but you don't have to bear the cost of it. So there's some way in which you're not really biracial then. And it's both true and not true at the same time. Like, of course you're biracial. Like Mm -hmm. that's like how your identity was constructed through like DNA, through culture, through society, through community. And at the same time, you're going to have some different sets of experiences than somebody who can't pass as white when we live in a racist culture. I mean, this is also this is also like a very well kind of treaded thing. So like there's materialist theory, and I'm thinking specifically of uh, materialist feminism, where it's like essentially the very, very, very boiled down version of this is um, so you have your internal identity and that is extremely important and valid and good. Um, and your sense of that identity absolutely has an impact on you as a person. And then there's how society looks at you face value, right? And like, that is how you were treated and that's how you move through the world. So like, I'm on the internet too much. And especially as a teenager, I was on the internet too much. So I've seen a lot of like queer discourse take place specifically on the internet. And a lot of that is very silly and irrelevant and, and doesn't matter. But I remember one of the big things when I was coming up, was by people specifically um, in relationships that appeared to be heterosexual and talking about how those relationships are specifically, like they would like those relationships to also be specifically viewed as queer relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so like I get that and I think Willow is get that. And like I also, again, have bisexual friends who are mostly in heterosexual or what appear to be heterosexual relationships. Again, it's the easier. I'm not saying you should oh you should date women because it's harder that's stupid no if you find a woman you're attracted to absolutely or a man if you're a a man who's bisexual absolutely do your thing but for the most part like of course like just statistically speaking of course if you are a bisexual person you are going to have more access to the dating pool that is opposite of your gender they're just statistically speaking that's perfectly fine and again there is nothing morally flawed or less open about you because you are dating who you're dating. I hope you should like the person you're dating, but beyond that, like, <laughs> beyond that, we're kosher. We're cool on that front. But at the same time, like, you do have to acknowledge that, like, you walking through the world holding hands as a woman with a man or as somebody who has the appearance of both of that is going to have a very different reaction and does have a very different reaction than people who are two women or two men or people who appear that way are going to in public. A very different reaction. Like, even in Valpo, I remember my first college partner, we were holding hands, like, nothing crazy, just holding hands, walking down, and, like, they literally, like, jerked their hand out of mine because, Mm -hmm. like, a bunch of girls walked by and looked at them in a way that made them really uncomfortable. And was it even homophobic? I don't know. I'll never know. Neither will they. But it felt that way, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's, that's just a different life experience. Like, it's the same thing where, like, 
it's a very different life experience to be somebody's first like same sex queer partner. It's in having to come out with them to their, that's a very different life experience than getting to date within like what is viewed as typical. And again, it's not better. It definitely isn't better. Um, and it's not in any way, like you're not, I'm not more aware necessarily or better as a person because I've had those experiences. That is not at all, but that is part of, unfortunately, a lot of queer dating and a lot of queer experience is those kinds of things. So if you're not experiencing those things, it's not that you're less queer. It's just that your experience is very different and it's fine to acknowledge those differences, but you need to acknowledge those differences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my first partner was a man and, you know, we were together in total for 18 years and that's most of my young adulthood up until my thirties. And I remember feeling like I had to constantly be reminding people about the queerness of my relationship, which, I mean, it's complicated by the fact that I don't think the partner that I was with really thought about us as queer. Yeah. <laughs> like he did not hyphenate his last name. Yeah. Um, you know, like, so I was constantly telling people like, Oh, we're not legally married. Like, and then that could start a conversation about why aren't you legally married? Well, let me tell you about patriarchy and let me tell you about the fact that like queer people can't get married. So I do think like from that set of experiences, I remember feeling like a, a constant defensiveness and then also a need to be pretty aggressive about publicizing that somehow, you know? Um, I also have been at like, I, I haven't fully reflected on this yet, but I'm just noticing. So I, if I've, if I was in a straight relationship for the, you know, the bulk of my young adulthood, and now I've been with a woman. So for the last 12 years, when I hear people in the queer community, like Taylor Broraby, who was here on campus, so he's 35. So he's like younger than me by almost 20 years talking about the difficulty of coming up gay in North Dakota. I'm like, I did not experience that. Like, I think because I didn't think of myself as queer as a young adult, like I, everything that was weird about me, I just felt was like weird about me, Allison, not me, a queer person. Mm -hmm. So I think when I hear some queer folk talk about the, battle that they've played that they've had with family with um like peers in school there's a certain sense which i don't know that discrimination and oppression and then being older when i'm in a queer relationship like a visibly queer relationship right my, like my adulthood and my sense of self is much more well established at that point so i don't like i don't take kind of things as per, I, I, this is going to hopefully not sound I don't know like it's putting people down that experience these things personally because I, I don't think that discrimination should ever be taken lightly but I feel like if you've if you're older and you have more self possession it's easier to let that kind of go unless you're in danger or something like that yeah. and you need to get out of a situation but um, so I do think that for me at least um there is something missing that I can't relate to intimately. And I have been thinking like very recently, like I need to be careful that I don't overestimate how 
easy it might be getting for queer people in the world to be moving through the world. Cause I have a filter that makes it feel less discriminatory. And as I'm listening to people in the queer community today, I'm like, Oh, that's still a filter that I'm seeing through. So, um, it's been a new insight, but I think it is related to this conversation we're having about if you end up identifying in the LGBTQ community, but you're in relationships that other people will read from the outside as straight, then there is going to be this level of different experience that is influential and matters. Yeah. Absolutely. Willow, do you have a a parting thought as we come (laughs) to the end? Um, Don't need to, you know, you're not on the spot here, but. Well, I mean, the speaker leaves us with the thought of you shouldn't come out because you feel like you have to teach people something. You should come out because you want to and you feel comfortable doing that. And it's who you want to be and show people that you are that person. And I think that is a good sentiment to end on for Outtober. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, before we head out today, please check out WVLP's full schedule at WVLP.org. We highly recommend Morning Black, which airs live every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. and then replays Thursdays at 2 and Fridays at 9. Building Leaders and Cultural Knowledge, that's what BLACK stands for, focuses on the concerns and issues that impact underrepresented communities of color with a particular interest in the African-American communities within Western culture, especially the problem of institutional racism. So please consider joining them every Saturday morning as they discuss the issues and problems that inhibit equality and justice in the African-American community. And that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are also open for business at their locations downtown on Lincoln Way. Visit their websites to learn more. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. You can find us online at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support WVLP and our show, you can make a donation by going to wvlp.org support. Mm-hmm.